the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. All right, in this episode of the College Planning Edge, I am giving you the audio of a webinar that I did with my head of tutoring, Marissa Unterberg, Esquire. She's our SAT and ACT maven, and we recorded uh, this webinar on June 28th, 2021. Um, so if you're listening right around then, it'll be very timely, and if you're listening sometime in the future, it's kind of weird, but... Um, What's happening right now is that there, it's very hard to get testing spots and dates. Uh, there's a lot of changes up in the air for the SAT and the, uh, and the ACT. A lot of rumors and plans to go online and not. So we talked a little bit about that. Uh, we got a lot of great questions from our participants. Um, some of them off the top of my head. Uh, what about the phenomenon of someone who has great grades but is a poor test taker? How do you deal with that? Um, do colleges want you to take both the SAT and the ACT, or do they prefer one over the other, or do you need to actually take the both, to take them both, for your own purposes to see which one is better? Um, one more question here: uh, When is the right time to take the first test of your actual test of your actual testing career? So, bunch of good questions. Sit back, enjoy, and if you have any. Uh, interest in our programs. They're listed at LockwoodTestPrep.com. Good evening. Um, welcome. I'm Andy Lockwood from Lockwood College Prep, and with me is our celebrity head tutor, Marissa Unberg. Hello, Marissa. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. So first, I'd like to make sure everyone can hear. So go ahead and uh, announce in the chat who you are, where you're from, and whether you can hear us, and I'll just keep an eye on that. And I want to go over the format for tonight. So um, we're going to be pretty quick. Keep this about a half hour. Uh, there's been about nine questions submitted ahead of time, but you can, you audience folks, can uh, reserve the right to uh, ask questions as we go along, and we'll do our best to answer them within the, uh, the time frame, the, the allocated time frame. So I see that we've got some people coming on here. Got nine people. So far, we had about uh, 37 or actually it looks like 40-something register now. So I just want to make sure that you can see and hear. I want to get that confirmation. Then chat. Marissa and I can talk to each other anytime. All right, Marissa, um, looks like we're coming in loud and clear. Melissa says yes. Good. Yeah, 7 o'clock is kind of a weird start time, even in the uh, pandemic commuting era. Um, but uh, I guess we should probably, I think this is going to be recorded, so maybe we'll we'll send this out to anyone who missed here. So, um, all right, Marissa, so do you have any, um, any updates in terms of what's happening First, in the world of uh, the SAT and the ACT, in terms of, um, let's see, registrations, test centers, anything like that. 
So test centers are filling up pretty quickly. Uh, the ACT, at least locally, Long Island, New York City area, those, te those test centers filled up, I think, within two or three days of the registration opening. Um, there are centers available as of last week, like 100 miles away. I'm not sure what the status is now locally. If you're looking, if you live near a major metropolitan area and are looking to take that test, you're probably going to have to take a road trip, trip somewhere. Um, I haven't heard complaints yet about the September ACT, but I think that's also a very popular exam. There's more availability because I think schools are more willing to open up for testing after school has started. So I think you'll have more options, but I still, I'm afraid to wait too long. So we're advising everybody, if you're looking for one of those fall tests, you should probably make a decision and register soon. Yeah, that was, that was actually one of the questions, uh, actually a couple of questions were um, regarding um, when to take your first test, if you have a, a junior and all that. And we always said this before the pandemic, um, you want to you know, get a couple, at least two or three under your belt in 11th grade, even if you're not quote unquote ready, you need to prep for them. Yeah. But now with you know the latest news about the Delta variant and you know masks being recommended again, and you know, it, it just it feels very familiar. So uh, I, would, I would recommend you book early and book often in terms of your, uh, in terms of your test prep centers and, and do your test prep. Yeah, our students from the 2019, 2020 junior year class really uh, got a lot of advantage from that advice. Yeah. I had a lot of students who they were so happy that they were able to get some real tests and have that prep done by the fall and early spring, they actually got a chance to take the test. Some of my students were done and yeah. their peers hadn't mm -hmm. even started yet. Of yeah. course, we can't predict it will happen, but anything, you know, you could personally like, injure yourself, something could happen where the time you were planning on wasn't a good time to take it. So it is safer to start prepping earlier, especially like you said, we don't know what's happening with the new variant and what's gonna happen with testing centers in the near future. I mean, I can say on a personal level, uh, my daughter Lizzie, you know, who studied with you last year, um, she took her first exam, I think in August or, or September, I can't remember when, and that's right before everything shut down. And she, you know, she did better than I think we anticipated, but it still wasn't what she thought would be her highest score. So she ended up taking it one more time after everything you know, settled, but she took that one before she was quote unquote ready. And uh, I think that's what everyone should really think about doing is preparing so you are ready but even if you haven't gotten you know, all the math content and sometimes you know people ask about that yeah so, so yeah anyway so if you're just joining us this is ask the test prep webinar uh and you have an opportunity to fire away your questions i have nine questions uh, i think that were pre-submitted so i'm going to just blow through those um as rapidly as we can and then we'll wrap up um that segment and go to the lightning round with any questions from uh, from the audience as you come on. So I see a bunch of people coming on now just joining us late. If you're joining us late, you will absolutely have the opportunity to ask questions. All right. Question number one, what do you have to say about uh, the phenomenon of the uh, good student, meaning high GPA slash poor test taker? What are some of the common causes and how do you deal with it? I hear that a lot. I have so many calls because I talk to parents all the time. And if you said this to me, I'm not talking about you because literally this is the most common comment I hear. My student is a great student. They have nearly perfect GPA. They study really hard, but
but their SAT or ACT scores don't reflect that. So I think, you know, part of it is we all have different skills. Some people are naturally better test takers and they're going to get a higher score without prep than someone else. It's not like a measure of your intelligence or a measure of how studious you are. Some students are just going to need more preparation than others. So if your student is getting a lower than expected score on like a diagnostic test or a PSAT or whatnot, make sure that they start prepping early. As far as the causes, you know, sometimes you've forgotten some of the material that's on the test. Some students suffer from test anxiety. Some students just need to have more preparation and practice before they can reach their potential. All right. Um, you know, another thing, which is uh, a little delicate to say, but and not particularly uh, politically correct, is that um, a lot of schools have rampant grade inflation. So um, there are some kids who have, let's just say, an inflated um, sense of security about their ability to achieve high grades. And then when they take the standardized tests, uh, they, you know, they may fall down a little bit there um, because of that. That could be one reason. That's not across the board, of course. But I just like to throw in the non-politically correct answers, too, just to counterbalance Marissa's polite ones. Okay, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, and again, if you're just joining us, this is the test prep Q&A, so feel free to lob in your questions and comments. Um, I'm just going through the pre-submitted ones, and we're trying to get out of here by 7.30 uh, p.m. tonight. If you're watching this on recording, it's whenever you want. Or listening to it on our podcast. I think I'm, I'm going to make this a podcast episode, Marissa. So you are now officially a podcast celebrity. I'm going to update my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Number two, <clears throat> do you need to take both the SAT and the ACT? So I'm going to answer from my perspective, and then I'd like you to answer from your perspective. Uh, my perspective is colleges are agnostic. They don't care. You know, they take either. Um, that used to not be the case. It is now. So from that standpoint, you just pick the one that you're, you know, the best at and take that. Marissa, you have the floor. I agree. <laughs> well, what about um, when trying to figure out which one to take? Yeah, so we recommend either starting with a diagnostic test or taking a full-length practice SAT and a full-length practice ACT so that we can compare your scores and decide which test you're stronger in, if any, and which test you prefer. Uh, I find that uh, the, for the vast majority of students, you're better off studying for just one test. It's exhausting studying these tests. It takes a lot of work. You can easily get burnt out taking too many tests and studying for too many tests. I think it's better to focus on one and just become an expert in that, in that test. Great. All right, next question, that's pre-submitted question, I should say. Um, what is the best way to study when you only have a month left before the test? Uh, <laughs> well, you gotta get as many strategies down as possible and take a lot of practice tests, review your mistakes, see where your weaknesses are and study those concepts as much as you possibly can. Yeah, in but terms of the practice tests, that, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. Again, Referring back to my daughter, Lizzie, um, she took so many practice tests that she saw the same problems over and over again, or, or maybe the same problems where they substituted the variables. Yep. So that helps too. You, you just get a problem down right away because you already have done it. Yeah, it's very repetitive tests. Once you've taken 10 of them, they're all going to look the same to you. Good. All right. Next question that was pre-submitted. And again, if you're just joining us on this Ask the Test 
podcast prep expert, you can submit your questions in chat here. And if you're listening on recording, you can't do that. Um, question number four, what is the status of the ACT going online? Unknown. <laughs> um, they've been talking about that since, you know, the beginning of the pandemic and they just keep pushing it off and they just completely stopped talking about it altogether after promising it would happen without a hard deadline. I don't think it's going to happen ever. <laughs> Cynical, but we'll see. I think they, if, if you mean remote testing, if you mean taking it on a computer in the classroom, that might happen soonish, but who knows? Okay. Anyone's guess. Okay. Um, fifth question that was pre-submitted here. Uh, I think this is one for me. Uh, and this question was about a either a rumor or, or something along those lines about colleges not permitting super scoring when it came to awarding merit scholarships. And my experience with that is they do permit super scoring for the, for the most part. So um, for those of you who are not in the know about what super scoring or score choice is, it basically is if, you, if you've taken the test multiple times and gotten you know, various scores uh, on the uh, respective components, you know, the four components of the ACT or the two components of the SAT, then super scoring allows the colleges to look at the highest um, section size score in each section for each test so um the question was about do they not do that when considering you for merit scholarships and my experience is that they do so if you've heard to the contrary please let me know in chat because uh, i definitely am curious about that all right next pre-submitted question in our ask the test prep expert is is test optional really test optional um so I guess that's more of a me question too. I, I think the um, the short answer is that looking, you know, unpacking the data from last year, last cycle for kids who graduated in 2021, the year that we're in now, um, it seems for the most part, the overwhelming majority of applicants who were admitted submitted their SAT or ACT scores, even though we were in this test optional environment. So um, at most colleges, it was at least 70, 75% of the admitted students. At Georgetown, it was 93% of admitted students submitted the RCT and ACT scores. So I, I, I am not particularly a big believer of test optional really being optional. I think if you live in an area where kids take tests, which is you know most upper middle class, mass affluent to affluent areas, um, colleges expect you to take the test. If you're living in an area where you know, low income where kids don't have access to it or uh, an area that um, there was a lot of shutdowns because of coronavirus, like California last year. I had a client who went over six trying to um, take the test. Um, then I think test optional will help. Um, otherwise, I would not go test optional. Okay. Question, pre-submitted question number seven for tonight's Ask the Test Perp, Test Prep, not Perp. <laughs> test prep, <laughs> be like Rick Singer or somebody. The totally test prep broadcast. <laughs> the test prep uh, answer uh, expert. And again, if you, you guys in the audience, if you have any questions, now's the time to lob them in because I'll get to them right after we finish off these next three questions. Um, this question is for you, Marissa, text prep expert. If you get the same score on a practice SAT or an ACT, which test should you focus on? 
uh, typically the one you prefer more if you had a preference. Um, for some students, it really doesn't matter. Like I find some students do the same on both. I've had students that insisted on studying for one as we advised, but then switch to the other one and end up getting the same exact score. So, you know, it's really up to you. If you're more of a math person, you're probably going to prefer the SAT. If you're more of a reader, you're probably good and, and more fast paced, you'll probably prefer the ACT. Good. Okay. Um, question number eight, pre-submitted question number eight is, when should you take your first real test? So we touched on that earlier. We had a bunch of people join us after we started. What's your advice? It depends on your individual circumstances, but I really like starting in like the fall, taking your first test around the fall of your junior year. So you have the whole summer to prep without the distractions of school and extracurriculars. Um, and you get a nice early start at it. Although with some people, if you haven't started Algebra 2 yet, you're starting that in your junior year, you might find that you are missing a lot of the math knowledge. So some students do choose to wait a little longer if you haven't gone through Algebra 2. In that case, I would say for a nice like earliest start, I would take first te test by December. I would not start any later than the spring of your junior year. I think that's cutting it close, but you're not gonna be tearing your hair at that point. So start at least by the spring. Good, all right, question number nine, pre-submitted question number nine is, this looks like a, a me question, um, should you not submit your scores to your REACH school? So I think what the question's asking is, um, if your REACH school is test optional and you don't quite have a score that's equal to the uh, the median that that's that that school's range should you not submit and the answer i would say is well we have to understand is if you don't submit scores for, first of all the, the stats are pretty overwhelming against you and i mentioned this earlier at least 75 percent if if not up to 93 percent at any given school of, of admitted kids submitted their scores if you're not submitting your scores then the rest of your application uh, just you know, by simple arithmetic becomes more important because your test scores are usually the third most important academic factor. It's your GPA, your rigor, meaning, you know, AP classes, IB classes, that type of thing. The third thing is your score, your SAT or ACT score. By the way, you know what the fourth one is? Marissa, you want to take a guess? I was kind of zoning out when you were going down. Nice. So, so nice. do we have I listen to you. I hang on every word. You know what the fourth most like, important thing is? What, were the, what was the GPA, the rigor, rigor, and test scores? Test scores, the essay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> see, see, you weren't really zoning. I, I got it. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, if you don't submit your your test scores, then your GPA has to be super high. You know, even higher maybe than would have been otherwise. And same thing with your rigor compared to everyone else who's applying to those schools. Um, Look, there's no secret why someone wouldn't submit their scores, uh, assuming they, they are in a, an area that people take the test a lot. And it's not because your scores are too high and you don't want to show off. It's, it's because they're too low. So um, I don't really believe that that would be helpful to not submit scores in that case. But if they're in the me you know the median or higher, then I, I, I would submit. There you go. Um, all right, so we're going to do the last call for questions, but in the meantime, Marissa, I'm going to put the links for our, um, our classes. So we have 
Um, so if you have any questions, lob them in right here in the in the chat. Um, Marissa, you have live in-person classes once again in the office. Uh, I heard a couple of them today, small group, and then we also have online. So can you talk about them and any differences, if there are any? And I, and I will post a coupon code. So with the in-person classes, we're keeping them on the smaller side just because we have a small classroom and I want to enable everybody to have a distance from each other. Uh, so what happened this time is we had a very small enrollment, like 24 hours before the class started. And then I woke up and it was like tripled. So we ended up breaking the class into two. So not sure if I'll have the ability to do that for the ACT. So if you are um, interested in the upcoming September ACT class, which starts in early August, or if you're interested in the October SAT class, which starts uh, in late August, uh, I would register soon just because we might not be able to split into two and we are keeping the enrollment very, very low. So I guess that's the major difference is that we now have in person. The calendar still says March 2020. I'll have to figure out. I tried to erase it and it wasn't, wasn't coming off. So I'll try to bring in some alcohol and get that done. Um, other than that. And talk about the actual content. <laughs> other than that, the content is the same. The content for in-person and online, we're going over the same concepts. Um, we're going over the strategies for every single section on the test. We're going to teach you all of the grammar you need. So I know a lot of kids are coming in not having any grammar background or not much from high school. So we're going to give you every, every grammar rule you need and only what you need. So I'm not teaching the nuances of the grammar rules. Keep it simple so it minimizes how much you have to memorize. Uh, we go over commonly um, forgotten math concepts and you also get a math guide so you can review math concepts you've forgotten. And then we're going over real actual SAT and ACT practice tests. So I give everybody real tests for homework and I write down <clears throat> everybody's wrong answers and then we go over selected answers. If, if lots of kids got that one wrong, we'll go over all of those. And kids are also able to request any topic they wanna to go over, any question that they wanna cover from the homework. Well, um, what's the difference between using the actual published uh, SAT and ACT test versus what other companies do? There's, I find there's a really big difference. Um, when the SAT or when, when the College Board or when the ACT creates a test, they put a lot of time and effort and money into getting these exactly right. They're testing out their questions ahead of time on the experimental sections. So everyone who's taking an SAT or ACT they're also like helping them test out questions for the future. It goes through, you know, probably many, many layers of review with many, many different people to make sure everything is perfect. The curve is perfect. And when you get a test from one of the major test prep companies, I've actually uh, was hired to write some over, over summer writing the math questions. It's just like, you know, a handful of people like me and they're like, write this, write this chapter in a week. You know, it's it's not rigorous. It's not that accurate. I find that the difficulty level can be up and down. It tends to be more difficult than the actual test. And this the um, curves, the scoring is really, really awful. So it's not good at predicting how you're doing. 
So I don't want people taking, you know, Barron's tests and then thinking their score is at a certain level and then they take the actual SAT and it's completely different. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's no secret, at least to people like us, but a, a lot of the test prep companies, they give artificially hard tests that they have made, again, not actual SAT or ACT problems. And this way they can show, they can demonstrate some sort of, you know, illusory, as we used to say uh, as lawyers, um, in uh, illusory type of improvement. Um, so, because they have these, you know, guarantees that have all this fine print and, you know, they basically say, well, if you don't improve enough, then you can take the test again. If you can prove that you've done this, 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 and this, right. I take the course again. Uh, our guarantee, by the way, is sort of a, you know, no legalese type of guarantee. So you can sit in the first class and if you don't uh, like it or you don't even have to have a reason, if you just decide it's not for you, then you just tell us then uh, or right after the class, you know, not six weeks later, but you know, <laughs> within a few hours and uh, you just get your money back. So um, we've only had to do that a couple of times in the last, uh, I guess, four years or so. And that was usually when um, the parent dragged the kid to take the test and she immediately like left the classroom and went in the bathroom for four hours or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but there's no risk. That, that's the point. So um, that, that's one of the differences about our our uh, course and everyone else's. Um, all right, Jane has a question here. This is going to be the last question before we wrap up. But um, so I posted the links for the classes. Uh, they have started to fill up. Actually, I, I sent you a couple people in the last couple of days, Marissa. Who? Um, so there's the LockwoodTestPrep.com/slash/crash, uh, which is the in-person crash course, and then there's the online course, LockwoodTestPrep.com/slash/online, and the coupon code Crusher2021 works for both. Jane's question, last question, Jane. Um, I don't have a drum to do a drum roll, but can you send your super score to all the schools you apply, even if some don't super score? They can see all the test scores taken. So, no, if a school doesn't does not super score, then you cannot pick and choose which ones. Um, the ones that do super score will only look at the high, uh, the highest ones, even though if you, when you're actually on the website of the SAT or, or sorry, the college board for the SAT or the ACT, it may look kind of weird. Um, here's the deal. They don't really care um, if you show some improvement. They, they know that a lot, you know, most kids that apply to college take these tests several times and they do better on some and worse on others. Um, that's what you do in college. That's why it's not a big deal. You, you know, you get a bunch of material, you try to master it and then perform. So, uh, what, what they're really looking for is the crazy anomaly. Like if a kid had like three straight 19s and then he pulls a 34 on the ACT, they're probably going to be suspicious or, you know, think it's a like lightning striking or something like that without a, an explanation. Um, by the way, Marissa's had some experiences where the a ACT flagged kids for too high an improvement for her students, which is kind of a good news, bad news thing, right? Yeah. So that's that's an argument against taking the test cold before you prep because you can get automatically flagged. Although it's not just the score increase, I think. I think you also have to have some similar answers to someone sitting nearby. Yeah. I don't I'm not sure exactly how it works. That's my yeah. understanding. Yeah, well they, they have all these like ways to compare things and uh, Yeah. They're just yeah. they got an algorithm to do it, I'm sure. Yeah. Some big black box there. So <laughs> All right, so thank you for your questions, uh, guys. And if you have any any questions, you can reach out 
Um, Marissa, I'll have them reach out to you directly if that's okay. To um, Marissa at LockwoodCollegePrep.com, which I'll put in the chat. Hopefully not making any typos. Already did. And there you go. All the information you could possibly ever want. All right, Marissa, any parting words? Of, you always have the last word. Any wit and wisdom? Start early. Got a kid entering their junior year now. Start at least exploring options, talking it through, figuring out a test prep plan. Learned that. <laughs> We've always said that, but it's really been hammered home this past year. All right. Well put. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Marissa, for sharing your information. And you know how to reach us if you have any questions. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double-secret software, College Guru software, that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid, and need-based aid opportunities as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at lockwoodinnercircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.